Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. It is a Dean and John special. Yes, we, we need one of these. We do. Like, it's been a while since you and I have had a chance to riff about something. Yeah. And today, we're going to talk about- We're talking to other people. Yeah, it's it. It's just <laughs> us from now on. Sorry, folks. Our numbers- <laughs> Everybody's hitting that unsubscribe button. Don't, don't. Yeah, I promise. Don't do that. No, I no, promise. No. We still have more guests coming, but That's we're right. filling in with us today. Uh, and we're going to talk about being a good partner. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, like marriage or relationship stuff. No, right. I mean, no, we're our, talking... wi- our wives would probably say neither one of us has any qualifications no, to talk exactly. about that. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking channel partners today. We right? are talking, yes, about How channel partners. How are you going to be a good channel partner? I think at least that's what I've prepped for. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, we might go off the rails. Who knows what we'll talk about. When there it just does, who knows where things go. Yeah, so we are going to be talking about, uh, in relation to actually to an article that is coming soon from Blue Star, I'll tell you more about that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have some tips on how to be a good partner in the channel. This mm-hmm. is something that's relevant for VARs, something that's relevant for software companies, even our vendors, honestly. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, This is a channel where we know we have a lot of uh, different types of people, different types of organizations, and we all kind of work together towards common goals, but well, we all got to make sure we fit well together, too. 100%. And we also realize that in order to survive in this day and age, you got to have an ecosystem. That's so right. how can you have an ecosystem if you're not a good partner in that ecosystem? I don't care who you are. So exactly. time timely that we're talking about yeah. this one all that plus our usual value to the var and what's tech connecting with us it is time to plug in and get connected welcome to the tech connect podcast it's time to get connected All right, so Dean, uh, let's let's talk of this about this idea of being a good channel partner. Yes, sir. Uh, so, the, first of all, the impetus for this idea is we have a a new newsletter that's coming soon. Yep. Um, actually, by the time this episode airs, it may already be out there in yep. the world. So, absolutely, it's called Tech Connect Today. Yes, uh, it's going to be our new newsletter about all things happening in the channel, mm-hmm. uh, software companies, VARs vendors, just what's happening in our world, this ecosystem, as you refer yeah. to it. Uh, you know, some some case studies, some interviews, mm-hmm. some tips and tricks, some recommendations. Yep. We've got a couple good uh, content partners. We've got Mike Monticello and Jay McCall, uh, the guys over at Dev Pro Journal and Zaz Journal. Uh, are helping us out with some of the content, so we got a, a great partner there too. Really good information to, yeah. to to your point to help people understand. So we're talking software vendors, we're talking resellers, how they can grow their business within that ecosystem. Awesome, yeah. So if you are interested in this and want to subscribe, if you're not already subscribed, if if you are a Blue Star subscriber to our newsletter, you'll get this new newsletter as it comes out. Hundred anyway. percent. Yep. But if you're not already, uh, go to bluestarinc.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page. You'll see a little section and like the little icons of all yep. the stuff that we do. There's yep. one of them called newsletter. It's the last icon in that section. Click on there. Give us your email. Sign us. Sign up, and mm-hmm. you will start getting that newsletter as it comes out. But yeah. today we're going to kind of do a little bit of a sneak preview of one of the articles that is yep. in our first newsletter, yep. which is this idea of how to be a good channel partner. Uh, yep. We've kind of put together a little checklist of some of our tips and recommendations on how mm-hmm. to be a good partner within mm-hmm. the channel. Um, and, and you know, again. Some of it maybe sound like it's a little bit towards maybe the software side, but I also feel like this is something. There's no reason you can't read this and find some value for your company, regardless of what the I would agree with that the content says. Yeah, so, I would so agree. So for with our that. VAR partners, there's definitely a lot for you to get out of this too, because I, 
it's kind of evergreen advice for, I think, mm -hmm. anybody in this particular channel or in the business world in general mm -hmm. of how to partner up with another company. Yep. So, Dean, I'm going to start off like, I guess we'll kind of maybe punt these back and forth here and kind of expand on them a little bit. So tip number one is, are they suited to the role? Mm -hmm. what, is, what does that mean to you? I mean, so if I'm a software developer and I'm looking at a potential reseller champion or somebody that I'm going to start partnering with. You got to make sure that they're suited for the role in the sense that you can go a different angle, a couple of different ways. If you ask me here, John, you know, do they have the internal resources to, to kind of mirror up to what you would expect? Here's what I mean by that. You know, a lot of resellers, some of them have programming capabilities uh, on staff where they can work with the API and really kind of connect it to the solutions that they're, uh, used to installing if i if you will some don't some really rely on other people or they just don't even get into that game so there there's one angle that are they suited for the role meaning if i'm a software company i have a little bit of an api or maybe there's an sdk yes but it's still going to need some customization i got to make sure that the resellers that i'm getting in bed with have some capability to do that so mm -hmm. are they suited so structurally are they suited for it uh, we're going to get to this a little bit later but you know do does the company mirror and match up with your overall philosophy, your DNA, stuff like that. I think that that's pretty important as well. So those are a, a couple of them. And then finally, I guess really big on my list, if they're suited uh, for you, is do they have sales, uh, the, if the type of sales organization that you're looking for? Because let's, let's face it, at the end of the road, what this partnership is, yes, it's maybe solution-based, but it's also sales-based in the sense that you're going to want to have a good partner out there that's going to have have meaningful uh, representation on the sales front and competent people that are going to be able to go out there right. and, and help you in that realm. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think what I think of here is I, I think of both sides of it and I think of having a, a ch you know, this checklist or having this idea of what you expect out of a partner. Mm -hmm. And I like to think of this in a lot of situations where, you know, I don't know whether you're from buying a new car to a house or, you know, just whatever thing you're planning for and that you've got to make some decisions between potentially several different choices yeah, is right. to, you know, to have this like list of things that you want. And maybe it's a list of, Hey, these are the things we have to have, mm -hmm. you know, our mm -hmm. partner has to be able to be tech savvy, software savvy, and, uh, you know, be prepared to work in our ecosystem and speak on our behalf, whether we're there or not. Uh, or maybe it's someone who is willing to hand that piece off to you because you want to have that particular piece to yourself because you know you're the That's a really good point. And you don't yeah. want to have to fight it out over who gets to, to pitch this particular product or software or whatever. Yep. So you, maybe you have that list of like, hey, this is the stuff we have to have. Here's stuff we'd like to have. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be, but we would like to. Mm -hmm. And here's the things that are not really as important. If we got them, great. If not, not a big deal. So yeah, you're advocating coming up with your own little checklist about how the, well, here, yeah. here's what it takes to suit with us. Here's what we're looking for. That's, right. That's and that's good. even before yeah. I think you even get into the idea of finding out who your partner is and whether they are a good fit or not understanding like, hey, there's certain things that just we have to have. And if you don't meet those particular things, then we're going to go ahead and shift our, our business away. Yeah. And you know, uh, when I put my reseller hat back on back in the day, it, it, we definitely had that, you know, because when we started vetting, for example, digital signage software uh, back in the day, we, we had a checklist. We had certain things that we were looking for mm -hmm. uh, to to enable what we were trying to get out of the partnership and how we were trying to grow our business. So it's, it's, a, it's a quick mental exercise, but I agree it's important to have that exercise 
exercise because without it, you don't really have guidance. And it's okay to pivot off of some of those points. Maybe you go into it saying, you know, we're looking for this particular feature in a software or something like that. And we feel like it's, you know, maybe it's not top of the list, but it's middle of the list. Maybe that goes away because it's just right. we're not finding anybody with that. Yeah. Or we have to pivot our thought a little bit on on how really important was that feature or functionality in, in that soft piece of software. Definitely. All right. Well, then let's go to tip number two. Uh, are they capable of expanding your reach? And I'll start off on this one. Uh, that's fairly, you know, self-explanatory, I think, this idea of, hey, am I going to work with someone? And again, we'll st- I'll start off here talking about maybe the software side of things, looking for a VAR partner. Mm-hmm. You know, they might be looking to you to think, hey, we are a small partner. We, you know, we know we have great software, but we don't have a massive sales team. We don't have the 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 reach or the impact or, you know, we don't have people all across the country or throughout an entire region. So, you know, they might be thinking to themselves, hey, I want a partner that helps us get further. Like, we are fantastic at what we're doing in the Seattle, Washington area. Mm-hmm. We've mastered most of the Pacific Northwest. We have a good reach there. Mm-hmm. But we really would love to expand down into California. Mm-hmm. So we want a partner that is, you know, well-suited to that area, has a strong foothold there, has strong partnerships and relationships with, you know, our potential customer base down there. So obviously, is there that, you know, that reach? What else do you think of when you think of expanding your reach? Well, one of the things I guess I would throw on the table, like if in that in that realm, uh, when you are expanding is is considering the partners that you're going to have, what's in their Rolodex, I guess would be a way to, mm-hmm. to think about it. Do they already have accounts uh, with, with some of your target end users or some of your target products? prospects. Uh, sometimes and that might be hard to navigate or hard to find out initially, but you should put that on your checklist as, as things that we're going to be asking r- really early on as a part of this dance, right? And it's a dance when you start developing partnerships. You know, you've got things on your table, uh, side of the table. They've got things on their side of the table. And it's a little bit of a dance to figure out if this is going to work. Well, one of them should be, do they have accounts already that, you, that you're seeking to get into yeah. or that or that maybe that you maybe not necessarily even get into, but they are the type of accounts that you're that you're trying to go after. So they've got some experience mm-hmm. in that realm. So uh, that's definitely something to consider. But when you think about expanding your reach, you really also have to start coming up with a game plan as it relates to regionality or mm-hmm. where you think that scope is going to go. I'll take your use case that you just had there. So yeah, I'm in Seattle. Our company's in Seattle. We want to branch down into California. That might be a very reasonable you know, expansion mm-hmm. of, of your, maybe it's bigger than that. What is the plan there? Because I think that as you develop partners, you got to have an answer for that because they're, at least the smart ones would be asking that. Again, when I put my reseller hat on, and we would start vetting software, not just for digital signage, but other things as well. We would we would have that scope in our mind. You know, how big is this company? Where do they play? Uh, are they too big for us? You know, a lot of resellers will look at it and say, you know what, that, those guys are a little bit too big. You know, right, they're right. not they're they're not matching. You know, what we're trying to do because they're just they're this behemoth, and we're looking for something a little bit different. So, but anyway, back to the software side, I you know. Yes, when you think about expanding reach and, and things like that, consider the regionality, consider the partners, who they play with, and see how well that fits in. Yeah. And, you know, I think also that means on the VAR side of things is being upfront about that. If, if you are having this conversation and, and if you know your regional reach is only within a certain area, certain states, but you know, like, hey, listen, I, uh, we, have, we have California mastered. 
we are experts here in California. We, mm-hmm. you know, we have a little bit of play in Nevada. We might get up into Oregon a little bit, but anything related to California, that's our world. You know, we don't want to pretend like we're going to get any further for you or expand you any further. But if that's your goal right now, mm-hmm. we are the ones that you definitely want to work with. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and maybe that means in the future they expand out to another partner that helps them get you know elsewhere. But maybe you know, right now, like just just be honest up front and help them understand. Like, look. We're not going to try to sell you on being able to overreach our particular boundaries right now, mm-hmm. but we will help you with what, what your current goal is, if that goal is, let's say, getting into California. Absolutely. Yeah. And a little bit more there, because when you think when you start vetting resellers that you're work, which you're, that you're considering working with, you know, you want you also want to kind of probe a little bit on the types of solutions and the other partners, software partners that they have. Mm-hmm. I, I have definitely seen instances where you all have a reseller that is oh, I'll call them a Johnny-come-lately in the sense that, yeah, they'll take on software development companies and really they're kind of just after it, after their own needs, uh, kind of suiting their own, you know, uh, business objectives. And what they're trying to get out of is just quick hits. Yep. You know, hey, oh, maybe there's some low-hanging fruit. So if we onboard this software or we, or we we start partnering up with them, we'll get the low-hanging fruit and then move on to the next one type of a thing. So the, the caution there is, you know, ask them, ask them what what are they, what kind of solutions, what other software partners do they have? Are they is the reseller spreading themselves too thin on on what they can dedicate towards your uh, desire to expand? Right. Even if it's just a nominal expand into another expansion into another state or or region or something like that. You you could still stumble across resellers that are just they're already kind of spread thin with what they're trying to do today. And then the, the, though they might be courting you, they might not really have the ability to expand the way, the proper way that you're looking to do that. So, yeah. you know, what, what we have seen some success is when you have, you know, a hungry company out there that is that is definitely in line with with your thinking and, and, and how you're trying to expand. They're needing your solution. They think it's a great fit for the customer base that they have. That hunger can be a good item as well, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're like really getting all into your solution and how... They're going to take it to market and stuff like that. Those are the types of people that, if you ask me, are, are the ones that are capable of expanding your reach because yeah. they're going to run. They're going yeah. to run and they're going to help you run. Yep. You know, and I also think about, uh, we talk a lot about niche and about getting niche within a mm-hmm. you know a certain uh, type of industry or mm-hmm. vertical or field. And we especially preach that a lot, I think, when it comes to our software partners. Yeah. Um, we do it a lot in our marketing and our content marketing in particular where, you know, oh, yeah. we believe right. in this idea like, hey, you know, Know who your audience is and go after that audience. Mm-hmm. Go after their particular strengths and challenges speak and to needs. Them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So mm-hmm. I think that can kind of go the same way. And I, I think if I'm thinking about this even from the bar side of things, and I'm putting the reseller hat on, if I'm looking for a uh, a software partner, I might be thinking, hey, I know I want to get into this particular industry. We know there's I know there's business there. There's a need there. Let's say it's um, I don't know a very specific type of retail hardware stores. Let's just give an example there. So maybe you're thinking like I know. I have some solutions that are perfect for needs for hardware stores. I don't know what that might be, but maybe mm-hmm. you know there's something about hardware. Mm-hmm. Hardware stores, that there's a type of technology they need that mm-hmm. is a little bit different than what maybe other retailers might need. Mm-hmm. So you're probably looking for a software partner that also speaks to that world and understands that world. And I think sometimes you might find come across maybe a, a POS provider or someone who does inventory software that maybe they'll say like, well, we don't really play in hardware, but we could probably figure it out. <laughs> Right. That would, to me, be a red flag. I'd right. say like, mm, well, well, we'll come back and talk to you about that or, you know, <laughs> maybe do some work on that and come back and tell us if you can do it. But instead, go find, hey, maybe there's a software partner that their entire business is focused on hardware POS, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. 
or a very a very narrow vertical of retailers, specialty retailers that hardware happens to be among them. Mm-hmm. And maybe then you say, all right, that's the partner I want because they've already put the time and investment into creating a, a point of sale software or an inventory management software that speaks specifically to that kind of retailer. And that's someone you want in your back pocket because it just lends credibility to you when you go out and meet with that customer to say, hey, yeah. I'm not just going to shove any old POS system or any right. old inventory management system your way. Mm-hmm. And it's it's purpose built. It's, it's exactly. For this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's called hardware POS or something like that. <laughs> right, you know, right, like yeah. That's probably out there somewhere. Well, let's keep going down that path a little bit because as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, now I'm, I've got my reseller hat back on. And, you know, the inverse is true, too. So if you're a reseller that you're looking to expand your business, right, expand your reach, not maybe maybe not physical reach, but your reach mm-hmm. as far as solutions that you have, you definitely need to be cognizant of the, of the software partners that you're trying to align with in the fact of how they will now reciprocate that it, your desire to expand. And one of the critical pieces of information that you need to know, like early on, is if opportunities come in, come in through the software company, uh, because this is a critical piece, how is that going to be served to you? You know, mm-hmm. do does the software company take in, because a lot of software companies, they're doing their own lead gen, right? right. They're out there, they're doing Google ads or what, there's word of mouth, they're attending shows, all kinds of stuff like that. Let's run with your example of hardware POS. Uh, or maybe it's a hardware kiosk and you want to get into, you want to niche down to hardware stores and you you want to become like the expert on installing kiosks right at the door that help people navigate neighborhood hardware stores. Great. Um, you know, if you start getting into bed with a software company, how are they going to feed you opportunities as well? Because look, you're bringing stuff to the table mm-hmm. as a reseller. You know everybody in your 50 mile radius, mm-hmm. all the hardware stores, you already have refined your list. I know who I'm going to go target. Here's my list of 50 people uh, that I'm going to go out and see. So you're bringing stuff to the table for them. How are they reciprocating to you? And sometimes it can get a little gummy there. And I think we'll get into this a little bit more. But like if software companies, they have to be really cognizant of that fact. How do they distribute opportunities equitably? Mm -hmm. You know, do they need to come up with a tiering system? Because you can really you can you can hurt some egos. You can hurt some relationships that if. If the if the expectation is different, if it's Don and John and Dean's uh, kiosk hardware kiosk shop, and you know we we get into bed with X Y Z software company, and man, this is a great partnership, and we're developing business, and look at this together, we're doing great things, and then we hear through the grapevine that they handed off an opportunity for whatever Ace Hardware stores right, to right. another person in our territory. It's like. Dude, you know what? What's going on here? So, yep. so you need to you need to be cognizant of that. I mean, sometimes there's there's a lot of gray there. But anyway, going back to the reseller, ask the software company. You know, how do you distribute leads back? You know, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. how does this look for me and, and those types of things? So, uh, you know, for those that are looking to expand the reach, it was it was an interesting little. Uh, angle that yeah, I thought it was yeah. you were talking. Well, and I think that actually we kind of uh, covered a little bit of tip number three here, which is their industry expertise and understanding. Yeah, right. you know, do you specialize in your industry? Uh, do you have an industry specialty? And again, this is one of those things that can go both ways. I would say more often than not, the the software partner probably has an industry expertise, especially mm-hmm. you know a lot of the more the startups, you know, and the folks yep. that maybe aren't as you know uh, entrenched in the industry for as long. They probably have have picked a niche or two that is very 
specific to them Mm -hmm. and that's what they go after. Mm -hmm. And they obviously want a partner that understands that niche too, Mm -hmm. but it goes the opposite way too, where, you know, you as a VAR, uh, you know, might be thinking to yourself like, Hey, my, my expertise is in, is in healthcare, you know? So I want to work with partners that understand the world of healthcare Mm -hmm. because it's a different animal Mm -hmm. than retail. It's a different animal than warehousing. It's a different animal than any other type of industry. And your your partner has to be someone that understands that particular industry too, because if you know how to go in and approach a certain way, you know who what kind of decision makers you're supposed to be going after, you know what a sales cycle looks like, you know what's expected of you when you walk in the door and how long it's going to take to get an opportunity. But your partner has no clue about that because they've worked a completely different industry mm-hmm. and they think you just go in guns blazing with a great <laughs> you know, presentation and demo and they're going to get the business same day and realize right. like, no, that's not how it actually works for this particular industry. Yeah, that's gonna, not, it's not going to match. That's going to, that's going to clash pretty badly. Fair, fair. So in, so the tip number three is industry experts. And, and you know, that, that that's true, John, the shortest putt for a software development company is to get those, to find those resellers that play in the niche that they're going after, right? Uh, whatever it may be. Maybe, Maybe it's healthcare. We'll run with that, or we'll go back to our hardware example. You know, those vars, the resellers that, that play in that. That is definitely the shortest putt, and I would advocate that th- those types of resellers should be at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. You know, as you're considering your rollout or your expansion, or or, or as you develop your channel play, I, I I think that makes a lot of sense. However, I will put a little asterisk next to it because. What I love about the channel in general, and I came from a company that that was this way, uh, you there are some diamonds in the rough that mm. maybe you know you've got resellers out there that are looking to expand their business. They might not be in the vertical or the niche that you're thinking about playing, and not maybe they don't suit that role exactly what you're looking for. But if I came, if I was a software development company that came across a reseller who doesn't play in my world today. But can show a history of being aggressive in learning, adopting, developing, and it's in their DNA to do that. Right. I'd be really tempted to say, yeah. you know what? Let's 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 go down this path because a nice hungry company that's willing to you know go the extra mile and stuff like that. You can find a lot of gold with yeah. with partners like that. Uh, whereas you know on the inverse is true. You might you might find a, a reseller that's in your niche. Got a lot of history back there. They got a great resume, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah, we've been doing, we've been playing in, hell, in hardware uh, for twenty five years, and 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 you, and you get just that. It's the old stodgy right, guy right. that's been in the industry for a long time and not really motivated to, yeah. you know. Oh, you they send, don't need this fancy new software. Of yours, right? they're go, they've been doing it this way forever. They're not going to change anything. Well, you sent me the lead. What happened to it? Oh, well, um, I sent him a letter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm waiting for them to respond. Whereas the new reseller who maybe doesn't know you, think, oh yeah, I'm all over this, like right. whatever. And right. I, you know, I'm hitting them up on LinkedIn. I'm yeah. da, 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 da. so. Well, it goes back to what you you mentioned it early on here in this conversation. This idea of being passionate and excited about your product. Yeah. So you know, if you're meeting with a potential new partner and you're showing them off your wares and you know and how you do business and what your particular new cool product and technology is, mm-hmm. if they're excited about it, mm-hmm. if even if they're they're not someone that normally does play in an industry thinking like man that's pretty cool I'd, you know i'd love to do that let's 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 talk about that and they're asking you a bunch of questions they mm-hmm. want to understand more about it they want to get in and play with it they want to you know you know go out with you and like hey let's go uh let's go find someone to talk to about this about i'd love to like sit in with you while you have a conversation with somebody in this particular world and understand what those you know what those conversations are like mm-hmm. that's a, a good sign that's a sign of this is somebody like yeah is 
suddenly thinking to themselves like, hey, this may not be a world we play in, but I love these guys. I love what they have to offer. I'm happy to go play in that world if I've got this particular software hardware company backing me up. To work Absolutely. Together. Now, you might need to do a little bit more vetting, but, right. but in my experience, most software companies that are looking to expand, looking to get in the channel, they already, they're already they predisposed at kind of an aggressive stance in, mm. in wanting to do whatever it takes to grow, right? If they've got a little VC behind them or something like that, even more so, mm. right? Now they're, now they're tasked with they, whatever their metrics are that they need to grow by, whether it's people, subscriptions, revenue, whatever it mm. is, they are all tuned into that and they're going to run aggressively. And sometimes it's better to match a reseller that's of the same ilk. You know, maybe their their metrics are going to be different, but right. if they're super aggressive as well and you match up that way, a lot of good things might happen. Now, the only caveat there I would say is just watch out for the fast talkers. You know, there are resellers out there, I'm sure, that are fast talkers, again, that are just looking for that low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we can bring this on board and we got the skill set to do that. And, and you're going to send me leads, right? And we'll... we'll yeah. Facilitate yep. that for them, but there's not a lot of reciprocal stuff, and uh, and again, maybe... that goes both ways. Oh, it totally does. There's plenty of times you, as a VAR, might meet a software partner that yeah. just talks a great game oh, and tells yeah. you, like, "Hey, we've got the perfect the perfect software for this industry. We figured it all out." And in reality, they've got an idea. Like, they maybe they have maybe they've created something that works fine over here. They've never even remotely thought about trying it over here, but they look at it and go, well, we could probably could figure that out. That's a really good point. <clears throat> it, no, I think you're really touching on one. I, what I was also thinking is that, because unfortunately this has happened to me before, you develop a relationship with a software company, I being the reseller, and you think it's going to be great, mm -hmm. right? And, 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 and the onboarding process you think is going to go really well, so you sign the dotted line, yeah, let's, let's start this, you know, we're going to start repping your stuff or whatever, you have some of those initial calls and already you start to see some cracks in the uh, in the mm -hmm. in the armor there. And since like maybe you call out for support, hey, can we set up a meeting? Because whatever, I want our programmers to start getting a little bit more knowledgeable about your API. Uh, and your the response is, oh yeah, we have a learning center. Just go here. Here's a link for yeah, you. Yeah. It's like, Okay, wait a minute. Let's try again. Uh, right. <laughs> I want to. Like, no, no, I want to have I a need somebody to work with. with. Right, yeah. Right, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, we got that over here. You know, it's, it's, and so right, right. maybe you haven't made, they're not syncing up quite the way you were hoping to yeah. there. But, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, that's, that's really interesting. Boy, but anyway, getting back to the original point here, the industry expert, um, I think it's important for, for software companies, at least if they're really early on, look for those industry, those folks that do have some experience. It's, mm -hmm. it's a lot shorter or putt uh, to find a reseller that's either in your niche or very close to your niche and there's not a lot of lifting uh, you know, in regards to that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, ideally, they should be someone that does look at your product and sees the value immediately. Right. Because they understand that industry, they understand where the pain points already are, and they look at what you have to offer and say, that's it, that's yeah. something cool. Mm -hmm. I know exactly. It, they, they probably, ideally have two or three customers in their head that already shut around and they're like, oh, I know who I would show this to. Mm -hmm. I would show this to XYZ because I know that they have been looking for something like this and mm -hmm. we haven't been able to really do anything for yep. them. Yep, yep, So that would yep. be an ideal part. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, okay, so tip number four we have on here, are they successful? Yep. And this one, again, seems kind of straightforward, but it also, I think, can be the scariest and heaviest lift potentially about developing a partnership because it might require you to ask some uncomfortable questions. Oh, I see where you're going. This yes. idea of like lifting the hood and yes. saying, hey, I need to understand more about your business. Yes. I need you to tell me maybe some of the stuff that you wouldn't normally just talk about yourself in any mm -hmm. old other pitch to mm -hmm. a customer or a partner. 
it does not hurt to ask those questions and understand like, hey, what has your business been like? Can you share with me like revenues? You know, can you share with me growth? Can you share with me, you know, what's been going on in your world and with your business over the last two, three, five, ten years? Mm-hmm. You know, the stuff that maybe you're worried people don't want to talk about and don't want to share. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like at the same time, if they're going to be a good partner and have a good relationship and it's got to be a both ways kind of trust going on, they shouldn't be too embarrassed about opening up the books and telling you a little bit of information and you know, hopefully, you know, shouting about themselves and patting themselves on the back like, hey, we're doing fantastic. Let me show you. Here's what we've been doing. Here's been our growth model. Here's some places where we're lagging a little bit, but we think actually bringing you on might help with that. I would hope they'll be a little more inviting about that. You know, you are really touching on one of those topics that I think is important. Yes, it may lead to some awkward conversations. You might not feel comfortable (laughs) asking those questions, but your success is dependent upon it. Okay, so so the use case I had in my mind as I tee this up in my mind is, you know, the software company who's making the deliberate decision, yes, they want to expand. They're looking for good channel partners, good Mm -hmm. resellers, but they know they can only handle five to 10, right? So it's a small universe and they, they want to go national mm-hmm. or they maybe they want to go across all of North America. Um, let's just keep it that, that the scope for right. now. And but still, they're only looking for five to 10 partners out there. When you're looking for that small of a group uh, to, and your business is incumbent upon it, you got to ask some of those awkward questions. You know, you want to be sure. Absolutely. I would get to know what's your sales team like? You know, can, mm-hmm. can I meet some mm-hmm. of those folks? You know, what, are, what is, what's their disposition? How do they, how are they compensated? How aggressive are they? You know, what do they get? How much do they get involved in that? Look at their operations, ask the questions about their operations. Right. You know, is this a reseller that if they didn't have that one big contract, they wouldn't be around right mm-hmm. now. You got to ask that question. You know, yep. who are your customers out there? What is what is your eighty twenty look like? You know, is is it all coming from one customer again? Because right. you'll find a lot of resellers out there that they're trying to expand their business. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just this is information you got to know as a developer who's looking to make a channel play. You know, does the reseller if that one deal goes away? Oh my gosh, they're, they're folding yep. up. You know, yep. they're they're not suddenly they're not your gonna, partner no longer exists. Suddenly. Yeah their partner no longer exists. So, you know, is their operations, you know, do they have enough um, spread out so that they can handle those types of things? What's their track record on customer service? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's okay to ask for references. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look, this is an interview kind of a thing. I mean, this is a, this is a partnership. You got to treat it straight up like that. And I know that may sound basic and, you know, you've got a lot of savvy software companies out there that understand how to go in and pitch a bank or pitch some angel investors mm-hmm. on the probability and look at this, look at what we're building here mm-hmm. and look at all this opportunity and charts and, and graphs and all that kind of good stuff. They're not really, sometimes they're not the best people in judging character and, and relationships, you know, and partnerships that you're going out to, to do. Again, if you're going to have a channel play, you got to ask some of these questions. And to be honest with you, if I was uh, the reseller and I was getting that in bed with the software company, I don't think I'd be too put off by those questions. Right. I, you know, I might be you a little. Be. Well, I might be a little guarded on some of the answers that I'm going to give, or at least not on the first date. You know, <laughs> kind of a thing. Am right, I going to give right. you that kind of information? But I would want to be if if, if we're going to get that close together. Yeah, I would want to get get to be that knowledgeable. Yeah. And we did, by the way. But I mean, again, back in a, a previous life. 
we got to know their executive team. I was a reseller. We mm. got to know the software's executive team. We visited their location. Uh, we matched up. We, you know, we made sure that we. And, but the the relationship had developed. You know, a few months, a little bit. Right. And we had a deal or two under our belt, and you know that kind of a thing. But, but man, yeah, you know, how successful is that reseller? Are they going to fold tomorrow? You know, what's what does it look like, uh, you know, under the hood? I like the way you put that under the hood. Well, and I think that also fits nicely with tip number five, because I kind of go hand in hand. Are they a good cultural fit? Mm, Do you know, do they do they value what are their values like? What's their business approach? You kind of leaned on that a little bit when you mentioned the idea of like, what's their sales process? How Mm -hmm. are they compensated? You know, another way I think about this sometimes, too, is. And this is the kind of stuff where maybe you don't necessarily get them to crack the the, the code and tell you what's mm-hmm. going on. Because let's be honest, sometimes executives may not know what actually their people in their company think. But guess what? There are resources to do that. Uh, Glassdoor is one example of that. Ah, good point. It's a great place where people, where employees of companies can be very frank about the mm-hmm. companies they work for sometimes. Mm-hmm. Now, again, you have to take it with a grain of salt because right. there's, you're going to get in there and there might be a couple of reviews like, this is the worst company ever. They didn't have salt and pepper yeah. in the break room. Something something they didn't like, <laughs> something rubbed them the wrong way. You don't know what that employee was actually like either and they're complaining. But right. if you get in there and 90% of the reviews of the company are unfavorable mm-hmm. and you know everybody's got a negative attitude about things or you know has a or you see the same kind of comment about the direction of the company and the strategy mm-hmm. and the culture over and over again mm-hmm. that should all be red flags you have mm-hmm. enough people are are saying this it probably is true yeah right yeah so Good you know point. I, I think there's a strong uh, you know reason there to understand like what is their culture and again i think that's where you know when you do have to kind of get to know them a little bit again it's if you're you know, making the analogy of a real-world relationship, someone you're actually planning on dating or marrying or whatever, mm-hmm. you got to make sure you have a fit there. And a lot of that is understanding, like, hey, is the way I operate and live and exist and my you know beliefs and attitudes and cultural fundamentals the same as yours? Do they mesh well with yours? Mm-hmm. And if not, it's not going to work out. Well, it's the same thing for a business because if if you're this you know this company that has, hey, we. We are a a young, cool company who believes in new ideas and new strategies and taking on new challenges and uh, understanding the world of technology and how everything's changing. We're not afraid to shift our our business model and pivot when we need to. And you're trying to get in bed with a company. It's like, well, we've been doing the same thing for 25 years and it works. It's always worked and we're going to continue working. You probably won't get along. Right. So, yeah, really, really good point. So culture is is key. I mean, I always feel like if, if, if there's not a good marriage there, it's the right word to use here in the sense that, you know, you're going to be living together to a certain mm-hmm. degree. Yeah. You're going to be partners. Uh, and, and so you're going to have to deal with one another. And if you are if there's friction there just based on your cultural differences, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. It's just, it's just not going to work. And, and, and you also have to think of things like. What is their risk appetite? You know, you, because sometimes mm. those can be out of sync as well. You might have a software company that, again, their metrics are completely different, or maybe they're very aggressive and and they got to respond. They've got a, a short timeline, and they got to get really aggressive to meet their metrics. And so that developed that just by itself is going to have a certain culture to it, right? Uh, and if the reseller isn't isn't matching with that and, and doesn't have the same sense of urgency around what needs to be accomplished and things of that nature, you can you can really rub the wrong way. So some people's risk appetite might be a little bit different, and that can be financial too. So like you know maybe the software development company is that has this VC behind them, and they've got some dollars they can burn on some 
what I'll call science fair projects mm -hmm. or maybe some partners where they're willing to, or I'm sorry, prospects that they're willing to make them a lost leader. You know, they'll sink dollars into making this work because they see a, a, something completely different. Right. That might be out of the sink with a reseller who's a little bit more conservative. You know, they don't have the money to burn that they can allocate, you know, a couple human resources towards a particular project and, and they go nowhere. And yeah. they, right. And they, they're just so culturally, you know, they're at a different playing field right, right. than the software company might be. So you got to look at that. What is their, how risk adverse are they, especially on the financial side? If you think your go to market strategy is going to be demos that are going to require, yeah, some, some loss uh, lead, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to have to invest either hardware or personnel into getting the deal because you need that marquee deal that's going to set you apart from right, everybody right. else or whatever it may be. You got to make sure that there's a good fit there. And that's, you know, cultural fit might be one way of thinking of it, but you just, there's got to be a good fit there. Yeah. Then also, you know, do you get along with the people? <laughs> yeah. You know, I know that sounds pretty basic, but, but if you're, if your teams aren't getting along, right. I mean, get, and, and, and really, I think the good advice there is expose your teams to their teams as best mm -hmm. you can. It doesn't have to be long and drawn out, but there's nothing wrong with if you think you found a good partner, you're a software developer, you found a good partner, have some of your executive team, some of your programmers, mm -hmm. just have a basic uh, you know conversation with the reseller that you're going to bed with, if you mm -hmm. will, uh, and get some of their people on the line too, just so you can introduce people, sync up, see how things are going. Yep. We did that. We did that quite a few times. And I would go back to our uh, director of programming and, and say, well, so you know, how are the people on your side of the fence? You know, right. were they cool? Do you think you can get along with them? Right. Or, you know, because whatever the feedback w was there, I was really interested in that. You know, you would you, your programming team come back and say, you know what? He was a little flighty. I don't know. You know, he yeah, was he yeah. was hard for me to like, you know, reel back in and I think it's gonna be difficult working with them. Or it might have been, dude, we hit it off, you know, the they love fly fishing like I do <laughs> and and he's a great programmer and so I think we're gonna meld really yeah. well. I know it sounds so basic, but stuff like that is really, really it can, important. It can derail a relationship very quickly. If Even if, like you said, if it's just one aspect of your business and one aspect of their business, if that aspect of both of your businesses is a critical touch point yeah. between the two of you, between your relationship, Good point. and they can't get along and they mm -hmm. don't they don't operate the same way or think about things the same way, mm -hmm. the, yeah, the whole thing's just going to fall apart. It's not going right. to matter how well everything else is, you know, works together if, yeah, if the, if the programming people on both sides simply are like, well, listen, there's nothing that we, that works together for us, you know, the way I work and the way they work are two completely different universes. That could be a huge problem. It could be. So, I mean, we've talked about this before. If you're a software development company, you're, you're developing a channel play, you're looking for good VAR partners out there. A top of the list that we've, that we've indicated in the past is what, what good resellers should be looking for is what is your support structure? How is the, the resellers looking at you, developer, and saying, how are you going to support my team? You know, do you have in place things that are going to help support me? And that's across the board. Do you have help on my sales team? Mm -hmm. Is my, you know, when my sales rep 
uh, is it an opportunity? Is there somebody on you developer side that's going to be able to help our person jump on a phone call, you know, whatever it is that needs to happen? Do you have engineering help that's going to help out, that's going to sync with the guy that I have or the gal that I have on my team that's in charge with making sure this solution is well engineered and everything's going to work out? Or is that a vacuum? I mean, this is the type of things that the, the, the companies need to mesh up on, and you got to make sure there's a good fit across all those boards. Because, or at least as best as you can. No marriage is perfect. No partnership is going to be perfect. Right, right. But if you can do a little due diligence on that fry, on that side, introduce the people that are going to be working together, I think it's going to have a lot better long-term effect. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, Dean, um, any other, anything else about these tips that we maybe haven't touched on that you would add in before we go on to our recurring segments? Uh, n- no, I mean it's 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 interesting though when when you think about the the channel partner play and coming up with a basic checklist, it, it's it's smart. It's smart to just do a little bit of due diligence on on the side of what are we looking to get out of this partnership. Again, it could be a reseller, could be a software development company. You need to have that basic checklist of what you're trying to do because remember the reason why you're going into a partnership to begin with. Mm-hmm. You are trying to expand. If you're a reseller, you're probably trying to expand your ecosystem so that you have more solutions that you can offer to your existing customer base. Those are the short putts. If you're a software development company, you're looking for partners who can play, who can help you expand. So come up with a short uh, a checklist like, are they suited for the role? Are they capable of expanding mm-hmm. your reach? Do they have industry expertise? Are they successful in doing it? These are some basic things, but they lead to some other questions that you should be asking right. along the way. And if yeah. you're, if, and let me be honest, if there's any of these five questions that are a hard no, then you probably don't have a relationship. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's probably time to step away because these are all pretty basic things that, that any partner should at least check off all of these. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure you have a bunch of subcategories, you know, that you want to check off as well. But if any of these top level categories, you're saying, no, I don't think so. That should be your warning sign right there. It's time and, to step back. And, and on that, it's okay to say no sometimes. Yeah, it, it, it very if you're much a, develop, so. a software developer, you've got your list, you have a conversation with a reseller, it's okay to walk away from that and say, you know what? I don't think this is going to work out. Because in the end, both of you will appreciate that. Oh, 100%. Because if you get in bed with somebody that you just don't actually have that kind of chemistry and connection with and relationship with, no. you're going to find out eventually and things are just going to turn sour. In the wrong, in the worst way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, uh, this was a this is a piece of our new Tech Connect Today uh, newsletter. Again, uh, if you have not already signed up for Blue Star Newsletters, I highly recommend you do so. You will get uh, articles like this and so much more in each issue. Um, I will put a link in the show notes where you can actually go and subscribe. But I highly recommend it. Uh, You'll get cool content like this. We may from time to time pull these articles and talk about them on the show in a little more depth as well. Um, But uh, in the meantime, uh, before we shift over to our recurring segments, uh, I do want to, as always, thank our founding sponsors, uh, Elo, Epson, Honeywell, and Zebra. We could not do the show without you. We very much appreciate your support. Um, As always, uh, you know, if if you like what you've seen here, you like the show, uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and review. It is one great way to let us know that you like us and help expand our reach a little bit. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, leave a comment. There you go. Uh, it's pretty simple and easy to do. It's again, I see those. I'm the guy who pays attention to what's happening on YouTube every week as these podcasts are out there. I heard a rumor that you're paying people ice cream cones for just liking us and subscribing. Well, maybe. I okay. Mean, you know, so hit that like button. <laughs> you might get an ice cream cone. I have no idea how I get it to you. It might be melted, but you know. <clears throat> we'll see. Supply chains in you know the the frozen world is there you you go. Know, cold. The cold storage supply chain is fantastic <laughs> these days. 
Um, push some vaccines aside, and I'll send you some ice cream cones. <laughs> oh, I'm God. sure that'll go over yeah, well. Yeah, that'll go over well. <laughs> uh, also, as always, if you want to talk to us, uh, have any thoughts about the show, uh, you can follow us and talk to us at on Twitter, at TechNeckPod. I always try to post fun little articles and stuff there related to our shows each yep. week. Uh, you can also reach out to us by email. That is TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. All right, let's wrap up with our recurring segments as we always do. First, our value to the VAR. So this question is, you know, I want to I want to talk specifically to the VARs, obviously. That's always yep. what this talking point is about. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of what we've talked about is thinking about, you know, in a sense of how the software companies should approach, you know, a relationship with their mm-hmm. VARs. And, uh, but also at the same time, I feel like, hey, a lot of what we've said can go the opposite direction as well. Mm-hmm. And and for VARs also, this isn't just about hardware and software companies. It could be your relationship with a customer. It could be, you know, a, a, an end customer that you want to develop a long-term relationship with. Uh, it could be a vendor. Um, if Back, if you remember, uh, last year we had an episode about the uh, the vendor-reseller relationship with Brett Van Riper. Yes. And we talked all about this idea of, you know, marrying a vendor sometimes. And maybe mm-hmm. that means that you are pretty exclusive with their particular mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and and commit yourselves to being experts Absolutely. on one vendor's product. Yeah. So when we think about that, the question I have for our audience that is, you know, or two to to talk to them is, how should VARs self evaluate themselves to make sure that they are being a good channel partner? Which of I, these tips really is relevant for them? Well, and and so what I'll key on here is, and maybe we haven't talked about it, but what I would put at the top, if you're doing a self evaluation, are you serious? Are you serious about what you're what you're looking to get into? And I mean that seriously right, because right. because there is an investment that's going to have to happen. Whether it's you're venturing into a slightly new area with your business, you know, you've got your core, uh, which is my second bullet point. When you self evaluate, you got to know what your core is, and you have to be able to better than better than just your elevator pitch that your sales team's used to doing when they're facing you know potential customers and end users and stuff like that. What is at your core? What strategically is at your core? And how are you looking to expand about that mm-hmm. uh, on that? And then are you serious? Do you understand the the ramifications of of whatever partnership that you're starting to develop with a software company? Because that can mean that you need to dump resources into it. Uh, that's just the bottom line. People are going to have to spend time understanding the software. They're going to have to spend time getting into that world. They're going to have to spend time. Time is money. So mm-hmm. are you serious? Don't do it if you think you're going to just half-ass it or you think that, oh, you know, I was at a bar or I was at an event or what? <laughs> when we start doing events again. I was at events talking to somebody, and this is this sounds like a really good place that we should take our company into. Right, right. Seriously? I mean, you know, you got to I mean, have they that. wrote down their number on the napkin for me, the cocktail napkin. It was we're good. I yeah. mean, self-evaluation to me is are you serious? Right, you know, right. are you serious about where you want to go? Does it does it meet your goals? You got to you got to step away. I mean, we used to go to, we literally used to go off-site. I know that you know, some companies don't do that, but I would you got to get out of your environment, you, you know, understand what you're doing and then are you serious? Are you seriously going to go after that? Again, I'll just harken back to the company I was with when we when we made the play into digital signage. We literally left and said, "Are we going to get serious about this? Because getting serious means this. Mm-hmm. We we got to have mm-hmm. a resource behind it. We're going to have to do these types of things. We're going to have to market it, uh, <laughs> right? The right. old marketing yep. Yep. thing. We can't just, you know, and all of a sudden now, yeah, our engineering team. They don't come programs, to you. 
bingo you got to go out and find that that kind of business and stuff like that so so again when i do the self when when i think about self-evaluating are you serious yeah you know and you hit the nail the, the nail on the head there um you know the idea of being serious it makes me think of this idea that you you have to you have to approach all of this as look we know who we are. We know who we want to be. And are you willing to make that commitment to take it to the next level? Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it is possible to. It is possible to be a reseller and to just be that. Mm-hmm. To just be someone who gets hardware. And if someone comes and says, "I need a mobile, uh, mobile computer. I need a scanner. I need a POS system. Fine, I've got what you got. Let's ring you up. Give me your give me your PO. Give me your credit card." We're done. End of transaction. I think that's fading, but go ahead. It is. Uh, it should. Well, that's just it. I think it should be. Like, yeah, right. You can still exist that way. I don't know how for how much longer mm, you can no. continue to exist yeah. that way. Uh, because, yes, I think we are getting into a world where people, there's expectations. People expect like, hey, a piece of hardware needs to have some great software with it. I expect mm-hmm. to be able to do cool stuff with it, and I expect to get all of that from one place if possible. I don't want to have to – I mean, to be honest, you don't buy an iPhone and have to go and – load every single app on it yourself. You know, there's some apps you're going to have to add Correct. to it, some of your favorite stuff. Yep. And even that, you know, most phone companies made it even simple these days to just, you know, hey, what, did, what were you using on the last one? Guess what? You can mm-hmm. order right over to your new one. You don't have to go and do all that heavy work yourself. Mm-hmm. There's expectations. You don't buy a new television expecting to have to find every single possible app or channel or whatever and load it to it. It should be pretty easy for you to like, hey, uh, I just logged in. Here are the five apps that are the streaming mm-hmm. services I use. I just got to log into them and I'm ready to go. You mm-hmm. know, yep. should be simplified. Yeah, I, That is, I think, where things are going in this channel. I think there's an expectation that when you work with a reseller, you get a full package. We, there's a reason why we talk about 100%. solution selling so much. Yeah. There's a reason why the Tech Connect program exists. Absolutely. There's a reason why we are spending so much time connecting with software companies, learning who they are, learning what they offer, building our little ecosystem so that when our partners come to us and say, hey, I'm trying to put together a solution mm-hmm. for X, Y, Z, who do you got we can work with? And we have someone we can you know, position for them quickly and easily and connect them with. 100%. There's a reason all this exists. There's a reason why companies like us are doing what we're doing. This is what we're talking about. So yes, you have to be serious about this. Mm-hmm. And part of that being serious means taking some time, step back, evaluate who you are, look at those five tips yourself. You check off every single mm-hmm. one of those. Yep. If someone is approaching are you, are you a good channel partner? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If someone's approaching you and wants to know if you're a partner, a good partner, are you fitting all of those? Mm-hmm. Do you have answers to all those? If mm-hmm. they asked you any of those questions, do you have a quick, concise, solid, good answer that they're going to appreciate and help them decide if they want to actually partner? I really with? like the way you keyed that up because uh, teed it up because you're absolutely right. If you're a reseller out there today who has gotten by just, you know, doing what you've been doing for the last decade, two decades, whatever, dude, the world is changing. And you need (laughs) to understand that solution selling and what your tech stack looks like into the future is totally relevant, more relevant today than ever. So if you're not self-evaluating, taking a step back and asking the question, am I a good channel partner? Do I fit to to enable myself so that this business is going to be successful five, 10 years down the road where I need a tech stack? And what I mean by that are a stack of solutions that are available to your customers that you can walk in and be that solution provider, not just the POS guy. Yep. You need to be more than just the POS guy. You need a tech stack that you can walk in there and say, oh, yeah, I can help you in these ways and this ways and expand your business that way. That's what that's what resellers in the future are going to look like. 
and if, in order to do that, you have to be a good channel yeah, partner. Yeah. You know, for some reason, it popped into my head, and this may, I don't know if this is a local thing to our northern Kentucky, Uh-oh. Cincinnati, Trice area, but do you remember those radio ads from a while back where people were trying to call, like maybe like a tire company or an auto parts company? And uh-huh. it was like, uh, if we ain't got it, you don't oh, need it. I love it. that one. Yeah. 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 I, I do I'm feel looking like for a blower for a 57 Chevy. Yeah. Hold we ain't on. got it. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> We ain't got that. Well, I need it. Well, we ain't got it. You don't need it. You know, ah, that yes. is not, that is not a smart model. That is not a smart I mean, model. it wasn't then, obviously. That was the whole <laughs> gag behind that, you know, commercial. But this now is not more smart. than ever. More than ever. You can't pretend like you're someone like, now it's understandable. Like, yes, you can have your niche. You can have your vertical. You can have your focus. And ideally, someone knows that before they get in touch with you. Right. But you also can't go in saying like, well, that's not us. I'm sorry. We're not going to do that. Because if you do, you're just you're potentially turning off a whole swath of people that are going to oh, go yeah. like, well, hey, this guy over here, yeah. it may not be exactly what they're into, right. but they know people that they can work with to make this happen for me. And they're willing to go that extra mile. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't got it, but they know I need it and they're going to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Maybe if I can find that ad somewhere, I'll link that up. <laughs> I still love that man, one. That was one of those things, like, if you, back in the days when you listened to the radio. I still do. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you know. Although I love that commercial. It's, <laughs> it is a classic. Classic. It is indeed. All right. Well, let's wrap up with our favorite segment of this week and every week. What is tech connecting with you? Uh, this is where we talk about, you know, a piece of software, technology, a gadget, something in the world of technology, science, innovation that's caught our eye. Dean, what is tech connecting with you this it's week? Not, it's not tech connecting with me. It's freaking me out a little bit here. <laughs> I feel so, like a lot of ours turned into freakouts in some So somewhere. here's the headline from an from a article I was reading on The Verge. Okay. New New AI deep nostalgia brings old photos, including very old ones, to life. So the, you, you kind of have to see it to, to believe it. But the whole thing here is that you take an old photo. Think of an old black and white photo, right, right. whatever black and white photo. Okay. What this AI will do is deep fake, basically. It turns it into a, a short video where that person's like turning their head and smiling at I you. I think I saw something about Giving this. some expression. So it's like if you've got a picture of your grandfather or your great-grandfather, Yep. I'll go back to like whatever you a photo of a Civil War soldier or something like that. And, and you and you put it into this system. They'll actually an, the face will start to animate. Right. And right. It's like, whoa, I don't know. Did That's they, getting did a they do weird. this with Frederick Douglass? Was that one of the examples? Mm, I don't know. Maybe I, it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't them. But I saw something recently where somebody posted, I think, on Twitter, like a like just a short clip of this is what Frederick Douglass would have actually looked like live and in motion. Right. Okay. Because he was one of the most photographed people of the the late, what was it, 19th century, I guess, yes, whatever, as photography right. was taking off. He was someone who got photographed quite a lot. Gotcha. You know, he made himself very available for photography. So someone managed to take, you know, a, you know, a, a collection of his photos and use them to figure out like what he would look like I'll three-dimensional and animated as if he was on video and that i don't know it's that's just weird so where this is being utilized is like i guess there's sites out there like my heritage and in these ones where you know, what's the other ancestry right i don't know if ancestry uses 23 it, but, me, DNA, yeah. Stuff, yeah. so it's like and and you load up things about your your past right your family right, so right. you're loading up pictures of grandpa and right. grandma and and whatever and then there's this little part of that site where you can animate them and so now they're kind of come into life and it's kind of weird to look at because i can just imagine you know i mean i've got 
whatever pictures of my grandfather and that's it. It right, is a right. picture of my grandfather and I've preconceived my grand, I knew him, but you know, to see him animated now yeah, or that yeah. photo animated would, would really be kind of creepy. I well, don't know. Well, you know, next level is going to be like holograms or something where you can interact with them and talk to them and walk around them and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess that is the next level. Yeah. Taking it all to the next level. So anyway, that's, that might be one experience of AI and, and deep, well, they called it deep nostalgia. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> kind of crazy. Deep nostalgia. That's yeah, what's that connecting with you? Uh, so, Dean, you and I are uh, both parents. Your children are obviously older than than my son is mm-hmm. now. But my son, in the past six, eight months or so, got out of the crib phase finally. Yep. Um, he, it was one of those things where like, he probably would have stayed in it as long as he wanted him to. He didn't seem to really care. He never tried to climb out or anything. They always told you, like, hey, when the kid starts climbing out, well, that's time Eventually to they grow out of it, by the way. Yeah, I mean, well, like, I'm sure you, he would have. You physically yes. can stuff and yourself. And he's, he's a tall child. He's going to be tall. He's probably going to be even taller than I am. So I, I expected that. So we switched him over to the toddler bed. But anyway, uh, I came across an article about uh, a company called Cradlewise, who has Cradle basically wise. made a, a smart crib, for lack of a better term. So this is a crib that uses AI and a built-in monitor to help your little <laughs> one stay snoozing for as long as possible. What? Uh, it's a nice, sleekly designed bassinet, white and light-colored wood. It features an arch over the crib. It has a monitor and a, ca- and a camera. So basically, and it can switch from a bassinet to a crib as they get older. So essentially, it recognizes if your child's stirring at night, okay. motion sensors and a camera notice, right. and starts like rocking or bumping or moving the cradle get a little out. bit to rock them back to sleep. You can even like set it up with parameters for like their normal wake up and sleep times. So like if they're waking up at a time they're supposed to be normally waking up, it'll it won't do anything. It'll let it happen. But if it's middle of the night or something, it'll keep them, you know, at ease and sleeping for a little bit longer. You've got a camera that, you know, if you need to check on them, you can with an app. You can control the settings with an app. Um, it's even got like a sensor on it where like if you're going in and, you know, the thing's moving and you want to actually pick up your kid or something, you know, you can just put your hand over the sensor and stop it from moving. But a smart, intelligent crib. Now, I will say we were very lucky with our son that he's always been a good sleeper. Mm-hmm. But we also, for a while, like for, you know, his first several months before he transitioned to the crib, we used the Fisher-Price Rock and Play, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. has actually been discontinued since. There apparently were some issues with <laughs> launching the kids. Well, there was problems like with kids rolling over, I guess, oh. potentially in it and some, you know, some harm yeah. happened to children. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it was a it was a wonderful thing for us because it was very much the first thing he was quite happy to just sleep for hours in yeah. and not wake up very often. So it was a yeah. great thing for us. But this is definitely the kind of thing, like if that hadn't been available, I would have loved to have had something like I don't this. know, man. There's a part of me that's like, oh, this is cool. You know, I mean, this is really going to help parents out. The yep. Parents are going to be able to sleep a little bit better now. But I, there's a part of me that also gets very worried about these technologies. Like how much more of a remote parent do you want to be there? You're not even, I mean, some of the joys of life, I don't want to get too philosophical <laughs> here, but some, if you're going to have kids, some of the joys in life is the high highs and the low lows. That's true. And the low lows are the middle of the night crying and you got to rock your child to sleep. I mean, yeah, I've had some of my best ideas in the depths of non-sleep. There's some great bonding that happens there, Great bonding. There are nights when I if I got a little machine over here doing that- I don't know. Yeah, man. there there were nights at know. two a.m. where you know I was half asleep, but I would you know still very strongly embedded in my memory and my heart is you know sitting there with my son rocking with him as he's falling asleep yeah. again. You know, like, yeah, that's the kind of stuff you can never quite get you back. Can, but, no, you can't. And can. I'm guessing this that's maybe doesn't entirely human. replace that, but I don't know. It sounds like it. They got all these monitors, sensors. I don't and know. Beep, next beep. next thing it'll just Baby's be a robot. You just, you just send your you know your robo nanny or whatever to go rock him. You know, <laughs> that's what I fear. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> 
we'll get there in nine. So that's what's tech connecting with us. Uh, thank you as always for listening. It is time for us to unplug. Uh, so you know we'll be back again with probably some more of these type of articles in the future. Absolutely. Um, but we do have. We'll be back next week with a, a regular guest. I promise it's not going to be just Dean and I. But I think we had a great conversation yeah. here. So. Look for the magazine though, and the that's newsletter. Right. It's good. Look it's for the good. newsletter. Check the show notes. You will find a link there to subscribe. So until next time, stay connected.